Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show, local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Recap, coming to you after the Revs picked up their third victory and third clean sheet of the season with a 1-0 home victory over Nashville. I'm Sean Donahue. Joining me today is Chris Falukas, making his long-awaited return to the program. Chris, how's it going? Sean, it's going fantastic. Uh, it's been been so long, it feels a little surreal to be in front of the microphone again. I had to dust it off a bit. Uh, but, you know, I'm happy to be here. Uh, Revs picking up three points again, and uh, winter's starting to go away. Girl Scout cookies are, are showing up in my house. Uh, I'm in a good mood. I'm ready to go. How are you doing? And let's just get into this, I guess, right? I'm good. I'm glad to have you back. Is there any uh, any U.S. Open Cup curses you want to cast today? Or <laughs> oh my gosh, I've already. I, this is this is like going to be my legacy, isn't it? The fact that I'm going to just curse the Open Cup every single year. No, I am not going to talk about the Open Cup. Um, Greg asked me to talk about the Open Cup before uh, we jumped on this, and <laughs> I didn't know how to respond. But I, I I'm gonna abstain from discussing the open cup until there's open cup matches <laughs> well, well we've got you on after a positive result for the revs which is nice uh last week was a bit rough uh but let's get into our key takeaways which are brought to you by our friends by, at the rebellion supporters group be sure to check them out on twitter at any rebellion and on their website anyrebellion.org. chris obviously a good result for the revolution mm-hmm. uh bounce back results after the big four to nothing loss at lafc uh what was your key takeaway from this one yeah, absolutely. And you kind of mentioned it with the bouncing back after the the loss in, in Hollywood. They started the season really strong, um, but it wasn't really against formidable opponents. And then you finally face a team uh, in LAFC that, you know, in my opinion, they're probably the favorites to win MLS Cup. And I don't think that's a, a crazy take by any means. Um, and, and they really got humbled. You know, it was the humbling in Hollywood. I think that's what I was calling it. And um how are they going to bounce back from that? And then the way that they, they just came out and played together as a team. And you, I saw a, a semblance of playing for each other that I really haven't seen with this team in such a long time. So I think a lot of my takeaway is just about how they're the chemistry of the revolution and how the players are fighting for each other, how they're covering each other, how they're making sure that they're, they're always there to support each other and just play together as a team. And that that's just solid teamwork. Um, they look like a very well-coached team. Uh, and that's something that, you know, it's been very inconsistent with the revolution. And uh, it's it's kind of a brush, breath of fresh air to, to see that happen. So uh, I think that's my takeaway, just, just the cohesion and under, the team understanding where they need to be and what they need to do to uh, really... Uh, grid out three points, um, just ignore what happened a week ago, and this team is unstoppable. Yeah, and, and Carlos Heel is such a big part of what they do normally, and he was out uh, today. He was out last week minus his substitution appearance where he played 30 minutes. Um, but to see them find that cohesion that you mentioned and, and work together as a team without such a key part, without their captain, um, I think makes it especially impressive. 
uh, what they did in this game. So I, I agree with you. I was you know, really impressed with the way the team came together, was able to pick themselves up. I mean, it wasn't – their mistakes were certainly made. It wasn't a flawless performance by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe it warrants later on talking a little bit about their set-piece defending because that was a little bit scary at times in this game. Yes. Um, but overall, and run a play in particular – uh, you know, they really picked each other up, limited Nashville's chances. And, you know, Nashville is another really good team in this league. Um, you know, they're, they're always very, very difficult to play. Um, they hadn't conceded a goal all season. Um, and for the Revolution, I think a lot of people were wondering how the Revolution were going to score in this game without Carlos Heel out there against a very good Nashville defense. Uh, and they found a way to do it. And, you know, they even had, I think, 1.4 expected goals. So it's not a fluke um, that they scored in this game. They deserved that goal and perhaps could have had more. I think if Gustavo Bo was in midseason form, they probably he probably would have had, you know, two goals or maybe three goals in this one um, yep. instead of just one. So. It was a really good performance from the Revolution, a really good bounce-back performance after a disappointment last week. Um, and not to just meld our takeaways together, but I think kind of building on that is my, my takeaway was going to be that they, you know this is not the 2022 Revolution team where kind of any excuse they had to collapse, they collapsed. Um, you know, they found a way to win without Carlos Hill this year. I don't think they would have done that last year. Uh, they came back and, and started strong in this game, despite, you know, bouncing off of a, a 4 nothing loss to LAFC that really could have hurt their confidence and, and been something that kind of hindered their performance in this one. It ended up you know, not mattering. We talked about that last week. My takeaway last week was that, you know, what they do in this game uh, will really tell you a lot about what this team is, how they bounce back from that LAFC result. Uh, you mentioned LAFC is probably an MLS Cup favorite. You know, with all that in mind, that was a very difficult game the Revolution had last week. There's no shame in losing to LAFC. There is some shame in losing four nothing to anybody, uh, <laughs> but just the, the loss itself. There's no there's no shame in a loss to LAFC, and it's not a you know it's not a big blow. Um, their Western Conference opponent early in the season, the Revolution already had two two wins. Uh, but was that four nothing going to impact the Revs' mentality? Was that going to were they going to collapse because of that? And we saw today that they weren't. Um, and I'm, I'm not sure that would have been the case with last year's squad and the way last year's season played out. Uh, so for me, this this result really did show you that this is not last year's team. This is a different team, uh, and they're capable of playing a lot better than last year, and they're cap- they have a stronger mentality than last year. Um, you know, the cohesion is more there than last year. Defensively, I think they're stronger than last year. <laughs> let's let's just point out this was the Revs' third shutout of the season. Uh, again, the LAFC game was a disaster. They conceded four goals. But defensively, every other game, they haven't conceded a goal. Uh, and last year, it took them to the midpoint. Uh, of the season, game 17, to get their third shutout. So uh, the fact that they have it in four games this year, I think tells you a lot about how different this team is than what we saw last year. hundred percent. And I think it comes down to a lot of what you're, what you're mentioning right now. And that's, it's the mental toughness and the, just the fortitude to, to see a game out. And if you look back at a lot of 2022, a lot of the results that didn't go in the revs favor that ended up in draws or losses was end of, match collapses it was the last 10 minutes it was just uh, mental errors not making the right decisions at the right time there were several moments tonight where i thought the revs might possibly do this talking petrovich coming out late um in the what 87th minute going for that punch and uh, not even coming close to it i had a little bit of a heart attack for that i could be wrong on the minute but i know around the 84th minute there was a, a time where the revs had a little break coming up the the right hand side they stopped they slowed it down, started passing it back, and then Henry Kessler played a long ball over the top that didn't go anywhere, and it just turned the ball over. So um, a moment like that, I was like, am I seeing what what I'm used to seeing with this Revolution team? And, you know, thankfully, those little mental mishaps weren't leading 
to uh, conceding goals. Um, so they had the toughness to recover from those mistakes, I guess you can call it. I don't think that you should be playing long balls over the top when you're trying to play possession. Um, you know, when the other team's chasing a goal with uh, less than 10 minutes to go. So that, maybe that's just me. But um, anyway. Well, and then, you know, one guy that got a lot of hate last season and deservedly so was, was Omar Gonzalez. But he came on and actually helped contribute to the, to the shutout late in this game. Um, had a nice interception on a cross. It didn't matter. It was offsides anyways, but, you know, was in the yes. right place there. Um, for his first touch of the game was a good one, where sometimes his first touch of the game uh, in these late game situations has not been a good one. Um, so that that was good to see, too, in a different difference from from last year. Uh, you know, everything we're, we're talking more about him later. So I won't dive too much into it. I know we got some questions about him as we always do when he plays. Um, yes. but he, he, you know, he he's always good. Well. He's always good for generating some questions. And that's something that I know I haven't been on the pod in, in like six months, but that's something I already expected. As soon as I saw him come on, I was like, well, I'm getting ready to answer some, uh, Omar questions. Okay. Good, good or bad guaranteed after last year that yes. <laughs> when, when he steps on the field, there's going to be a question about him. Uh, no doubt about that. I mean, with that said, we have a decent amount of questions. We are doing this. Um, right after the game, but I'm already seeing a bunch of questions come in, so I think we'll jump right into those. Um, well, actually, before we do, I did, I did want to quickly touch on the lineup, uh, which was the same exact lineup that we saw against LAFC um, in that 4 nothing loss. So first of all, are you surprised that we didn't see any changes in personnel um, after such a, a disappointing and you know, bad result for the Revs? We did see a formational switch. We'll talk about that. But we were surprised there wasn't any change to this lineup uh, from Bruce Arena after losing 4 nothing in L.A. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I would have been surprised if the Revs had won in L.A. and there still wasn't a change because this doesn't look to me like it's going to be what the end end product is. This is not like the ideal 11 for the revolution. Noel Buck getting his fourth MLS start uh, like of the season uh, all in a row. That's just like what? Um, I know he's he's been balling out. He's been having a great season so far. But I mean, the kid's 17 years old. Uh, to see him back in there, I'm I'm just waiting for the day that he's not in the starting 11. And the fact the fact that he's just been there time and time again, especially after the results, uh, you know, last week, it's, it, it was pretty shocking to me to see Bobby Wood get the start again. Was a little bit shocking to me. Just not that I don't think he deserves it. I really do. But I think that there needs to be some sort of push to get Vrioni in there. Um, it, it just in general, I, I guess defensively, you know, there's not much options available. Uh, I think Omar or McCoon are probably the only choices, and they're not starting material to me. So that makes sense for that back line. Matt Poster, Latif Blessing, that's fine. It was just, it was the attack. I did not expect to see the exact same uh, uh, four, I guess, attacking players. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, what about you? Did you? Were you surprised or uh, were you kind of expecting this same 11? No, I, I thought we'd see changes after a 4 nothing loss to L.A. I mean, Bruce is usually a guy that when things don't go right, um, you know, we'll switch things up. Um, so I, I was surprised we didn't see changes. I, I thought, you know, especially when they were kind of playing a more traditional and we're talking about, I guess we should jump into the formation now, but when they, they switched to more of a less of a diamond, although there was still a little bit of narrowness to it, um, to more of a traditional 4-4-2 uh, you know, no true number 10 the way they were playing. Um, it allowed Gustavo Bo to play up top instead, had Barrero more as a midfielder winger uh, in this formation. But, you know, even in that, you know, when No Buck is playing kind of on the right instead of in the center, you know, I'm surprised there maybe wasn't a change there. Although at the same time, 
there's just not that many options right now because of injuries, and I think that might be you know part of it. Um, yep. I'm surprised we haven't seen Jack P on the bench. I know he had he was really good in preseason, uh, had that illness at the start of the year, but I think he's been off the injury report for a couple weeks now. But it still hasn't made the squad, so I'm not sure what's what's going on there. Um, he's a guy that you know maybe could have gotten some minutes in this game when they were trying to switch things up. Um, but I you know when you're kind of looking at your options here and say, all right, maybe we're playing a different formation where Buck isn't as suited to it. Uh, he's more of a central midfielder, and I guess you're looking at who the options are. Do you start Damian Rivera over him? I didn't think he looked very good in the first game of the season, didn't really earn himself more minutes. Do you start you know, Ima Boateng over him? We know Bruce Arena does not like to start Ima Boateng. He likes him off the bench. Um, so I, I guess I'm t- talking out two sides of my mouth here. I'm surprised they didn't make changes after the, the 4 nothing, but I'm not sure what change you would have made given the personnel uh, that was available, with the exception of starting Vrioni over Bobby Wood, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a question every single week until he starts starting again is here's your DP on the bench. When when is he going to get into the starting lineup? Um, but let, let's talk about the formation. Uh, I think there were some questions about why Gustavo Bo played as a midfielder and Dylan Barrero played as a striker last week when Dylan Barrero is a midfielder and Gustavo Bo is more of a striker. And this week, Bruce seemed to figure it out and put Gustavo Bo up top and Dylan Barrero in midfield. Seemed like a no-brainer change uh, if you're going to change formation and not personnel. Um, it, I guess I guess no real surprise there, right, that we saw that, that change anyways. Yeah, no, not at all. I mean, I think you want Bo to be in that position where he's scoring goals. And I think the way that uh, Bo and Bobby Wood played together and played off each other. Um, it it looked like there was a lot of a lot of chemistry there, but a lot of also uh, like tweaking of of the the chemistry between them, where they were almost perfectly there. But they had the ideas. You could see them connecting and linking up and just playing off each other. And I thought that was really great to see. Um, I was wondering more if you know Bo was starting more in the midfield as it's his first game back, and so. I think that's maybe why that lineup happened in LAFC and also as a way to, to have a stronger presence maybe uh, in the attacking midfield when you know you're going to go up against uh, such a strong team in LA. But I, you really do want Bo up front. You want him scoring goals like he did tonight. Um, and I think you know, as long as Bo's scoring goals and, and healthy, I think the Revs are going to be a really tough team to beat. Uh, it's just a matter of time before we got two other DPs on the field. Um, and this team could be looking really good. Yeah, I think I, I think Gustavo Bo up top instead of a midfield was a no-brainer in this one, um, and you saw why that worked out. He had several chances. Uh, he should have scored a goal in the first half. Yes. Um, the, I, I, he, that, that, uh, when we talk about No Buck, No Buck played a fantastic pass over midfield. I thought there was no way Gustavo Bo was onside when I saw him behind the defense, but it was a perfect <laughs> run from Gustavo Bo, a perfect pass from No Buck. Uh, it's pretty disappointing that he couldn't put that away. Right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, he's trying to beat um, a really good keeper in Joe Willis. And I, I was watching the replays and I'm like, I don't know how he missed this. And I think I, you see Gustavo kind of looking up right before he's taking the shot and looking where where's the open spot. And Joe Joe Willis did a great job of really taking away the, the far post and making Gustavo go near post. And man, he just really put his laces through it. Um, it, it was a shame to see it not even hit the target at all. Um, it, I, I think, you know, you saw a shot a little bit later from Bo that it, it was dropped right to his feet from Bobby Wood, uh, right at, basically at the inside of the top of the box. Um, 
and it was shot almost right at Joe Willis this time. And it was that nice was only like two minutes after that first chance. It, I think it was. Yeah, it was crazy. It was a wild series. Yeah, but I, I, I'm seeing that, and I'm thinking I think that's just compensating for wildly missing the net. And now this time he's like, I just want to make sure I get it on frame. It's just kind of right down the middle almost. And I don't know. I mean, did you have a comment on that one too? No, no, I had the exact same thought as you that it seemed like he was overcompensating. Just put it yeah. on frame rather than you know, going for power replacement there. And you know, Joe Willis is not going to get beat that way. So no, he's he's a good keeper. Yeah, but it was nice to see that third chance that he had that he put that away about as well as you could possibly do it. Hammered it where no keeper is going to save that. Um, and left footed so. <laughs> too. That was uh, didn't see that one coming. Yeah, and and you know we know he's a guy that's streaky, and when he starts yes. scoring, he can keep scoring. And when he's not scoring, it takes him a while to get going. So this goal could could be the start of a good streak for him. And I think again, given the other given the striker situation for the Revs, where you still don't know what you're getting out of your other DP striker, Vrioni, uh, it's there's more pressure on Bo maybe than than you expected for Bo to get going and get scoring because Vrioni is not, and Vrioni's not even starting right now. So um, I think there is a lot of pressure on Bo to to be that guy putting the ball in the back of the net for the at least for the time being until Vrioni figures it out because you know Bobby Wood's been good, but Bobby Wood's I think been a double digit goal scorer once in his entire career. So to, if if he's the guy leading your front line and you're expecting to put away most of your goals, just, I, I don't know how far you're going to go with that. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, with that, let's jump into our listener questions. Uh, quickly, wanted to mention the podcast sponsor, Galaco Kits. Galaco Kits is the go-to place to bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. The passion for the beautiful game doesn't have borders, and neither does the selection. And if you head to GalacoKits.com today, you can get fifteen percent off your order using the code Revs Recap. That's Revs Recap at checkout for fifteen percent off your order. Um, Lots of questions came in. One question came in before uh, we even saw the game. Uh, still relevant, though. Mike Collins wants to know, uh, Bruce said at the season ticket holder event that 8 to 10 games till we really see what this team is capable of or this team take off. Are things still going to plan? Uh, and what do you think changes in that 8 to 10 game time frame, which you know, right now we're, what, four games into that 8 to 10 game time frame? Yeah, you know, I first of all, I think that comment is such a, bizarre take to have i mean why would you target eight to ten games for a team to really be you know in stride but secondly that being said and and where the team is trending right now uh, i i think that's a fair assessment i mean you look at the way that injuries are kind of happening right now there's a little bit of formation adjustments uh blessings getting himself acclimated uh no buck is really making a name for himself i don't know how he's going to necessarily fit into the fold once everyone's healthy once the heels are back uh it's going to be interesting to see. And I think, you know, maybe eight to 10 games into the season. I think that as long as everyone stays healthy and continues to be healthy, as long as Giacomo Vrioni can really start to try to find some form possibly. Um, I think that might be really where you start to see the team find it's like full potential um, and see how far they can go. I think that's a, a fair um, assessment. It, it seems kind of strange that this, you know, somewhat random number or like time frame. Um, that was that was put up by Bruce is going to be, you know, it's kind of like what they're on track to do, at least from my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I actually don't think that it's uh, it's that wild of a take anymore. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be very interesting to see where they are in eight to ten games. It is also weird comic to talk about, you know, a third of the way into the season. We're kind of know we're, we're going to start to see what this team is. Um, yeah. You know, that is a a lot of the season gone before you figure things out. At the same time, you know, 
putting aside that comment, the Revs have won three of their four, first four games. They're in a great spot. Um, I think they are still figuring things out. But despite that, they you know right up at the top of the Eastern Conference, one point out of first, uh, and and playing really well. Well, playing well. I went really well might be a stretch at this point, but uh, play, yeah. playing well. So. Yeah, interesting. Um, we did get uh, several comments on Twitter. I, I apologize in advance. I did not get the chance to organize these comments. We're taking them on the fly. We're recording right after uh, the game. So if we missed your comment uh, because it was in too late, it is because we record right after the game. If we kind of repeat comments because I didn't get to organize them in the right spot, I apologize in advance. Uh, Carla Jones, though, sent us a question on Twitter. She wants to know, how do you think certain players' mindsets affected the game both positively and negatively. And we've talked about before kind of uh, Carlos Heels' mindset this season. He wasn't playing this game, obviously, and his frustration with referees and if that's taken him out of the game. Um, is there anything you saw from guys in this game about their mindsets and, and how it either positively or negatively affected the game? You know, and negatively, I don't think there was a whole lot, unless I'm missing something. Um, I know I missed, a, I missed a few minutes here and there. You know, I, I have kids, and taking care of kids sometimes takes me away from the game. So maybe something happened to where I didn't see it. But, I mean, it seemed pretty positive overall. There was a lot of good body language. Uh, any sort of uh, mistakes and errors, I, it looked like everyone was supporting each other. And I think that's kind of where it comes back to my key takeaway, where it looked like there was a lot of cohesion and there was not a lot of negativity internally. There was nothing that I really saw directed towards the officiating. Um, I, I, if anything, I thought the officials called a very, very good game. Um, so, no, I mean... I. This game specifically, I, I don't think I see a lot of that. Um, however, I will say, you know, Carlos Hill obviously has a lot of uh, emotions in the game, and I think that obviously affects it. And like you said, we have talked about this many times on the podcast uh, last year, and I've listened to it several times this year already talking about how Carlos Hill can do that and, and just uh, it, it takes his head out of the game. But no, that didn't happen tonight. I think that the team uh, showed a lot of resolve, a lot of professionalism, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a it's a non comment or non topic really um, after this game. But I don't know if I miss something, please let me know. No, I mean it, you saw Matt Polster complain to the referee a few times, which understandably I, I didn't think it got to him. I didn't think it was something that affected his game or kind of took him out of the, out of the play. But when the fouls were called, you know, maybe complaining. I think there was one play late where he's probably asking why this guy didn't get a yellow card when I got a yellow card, stuff like that. But it, it, nothing over over the top. I didn't think in this one. Um, yeah. You know, talking about mindsets. Otherwise, I, I think there was some good attacking mindsets in this one from Gustavo Bo, from Noel Buck uh, getting the ball forward, uh, the fullbacks, Dewan Jones. Brandon by both, uh, you know, really active getting forward. Um, you know, if I am gonna, if I'm nitpicking, the one sort of negative body language that I saw on this one was Brioni, uh, who I saw get frustrated several times when service didn't get to him. One time, understandably, there was a chance where Barrero just shot at the ball miles high and wide of the net, one of the worst shots I've seen um, from distance. Where Brioni was making a run to the far post, he was visibly frustrated there. There were a couple other times he was also visibly frustrated when the ball didn't get to him. So if there was any guy who maybe had a not the best mindset or at least not the best body language in this one i i would say probably rioni but i i didn't see anyone else you know that's a good call out too and i i think right after i had said i can't think of anything and went went back to you i was like you know what i think rioni and then you you hit the nail on the head you actually called out a couple other ones that i didn't see about rioni though too so i only saw the the uh there's one where barrero also coming down the right side uh decided to shoot it uh it was on a on a uh a quick break and 
uh, Vrioni was dropping back, and he, he's in a good position, in, in my opinion. And I think Barrero should have been looking to pass the ball, not shoot it. Uh, he hit the side netting, and Vrioni was just kind of sitting there looking frustrated. So I, I totally agree with that. I think that was a, a good call out. And, and I get it too, but at the same time, <laughs> when you're not scoring goals, um, yeah, I think he's, I think it, you're, it, maybe your teammates don't trust you as much as they should, uh, mm-hmm. and that stuff happens. So it's it's I don't know. It's I, I get I get it, but also at the same time, like. I, I, I don't know until until you start putting the ball in the back of the net. I don't know if you have the right to be to be frustrated when guys aren't passing to you. Hundred percent. You don't have any leg to stand on in this argument. Yeah. No. And, and of course, uh, Omar Gonzalez had to be brought up. Uh, Eric on Twitter <laughs> wanted to know: Is Omar the new closer? Yeah, no Omar. Uh, it's like that's <laughs> uh, what I'm saying when I see him come off the bench. I, it's interesting. I mean, I had said it many times last year. I think Omar is like the perfect center back to come in and close down a game i think he's you know big physical presence he knows how to clear the ball he, he plays an arena system and then i went and looked foolish all last year because i was saying that and it never happened um that's happened a couple of times now this year uh maybe i mean i'd love to love to say that he is becoming that player because the revolution really need a player like that they they need something to shut down um shut down the game and just really see it out and if he's if he turns into be that guy uh, maybe he needed a, a a year to settle in from coast to coast or something um but that would be fantastic yeah i'm, I'm gonna take this one and also add on uh another question that was asked rob rob chevalier wants to know if there's anything omar can do for fans to forget last year um and you know, on that note i'm not ready to say he's the new closer he played well in this game he hasn't really set a foot step set a foot wrong in his appearances so far this season. Uh, but it is going to take a while, I think, after what we saw last year for people to be comfortable with him in that role. Uh, when you know, when the revs were up late, I thought the move to make would have been to take Gustavo Bo out, and, as they did, but put on McCone and add a guy to the mm-hmm. midfield, add a body to the midfield yes. instead of adding Omar Gonzalez. I thought the back line was playing well in this game. And I always wonder when you throw another center back in there how that's going to disrupt the chemistry and kind of change how those guys are, are used to playing with each other. Uh, so I'm more of a fan of bringing someone to the midfield. We saw the Revs do that you know, with Scott Caldwell back in, in 2021. Um, I'm not completely sold on McCune yet either, although I think he's been okay when he's played so far this year. But he's another guy that I'm not completely sold on. But I'm more of a, a fan of bringing a guy into the midfield to help close out a game rather than bringing on a, a third center back. Um, at the same time, you know, when you're playing Nashville, you know, they had Walker, Walter Zimmerman out there um, you know, playing as a striker essentially at the end of the game. Yeah, it made a little bit of sense to bring a big body out there to defend against them, even though, you know, even with his big body, Omar has struggled in those situations last year. Um, but yeah, Bruce, I think, saw Omar as the closer last year. Um, and I think he still sees him as the closer this year. Um, so maybe the new closer is the wrong, the wrong answer. He just has been the closer under Bruce for two seasons now. Uh, and maybe Revs fans, um, once they're able to forgive him after he's done this enough times, will see him as the closer uh, as well. But um, I, I, it's going to take more than you know these the, the first couple games that he's coming late to I think to convince Revs fans, and more than that to convince me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And then so the, there was a second question that was like, when. Yeah, what, what's it going to take for people to forget last year? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's just consistency. I think you know that's really going to be the answer. If he can come in and just consistently perform and um, not concede easy goals or play out of position or uh, you know hit the ball backwards, 
um, it's he made a lot of really bad mistakes last year, so it's going to take a lot to lot to overcome that, and it's just uh, consistently playing well. The way that I mean, I think we all know he can play well. It's just a matter of does he still have it? So. Yeah, and he actually officially recorded zero touches in this game because that, that the cutout cross yeah. didn't count uh, since it was offside. So, <laughs> hey, you know what though? With the with everyone's memory of last year, seeing Omar with zero touches is not a bad thing. Very, very true. <laughs> uh, Randy LH asks. Uh, he he says we've mentioned a couple times. Or maybe it was just Tanner. I actually can't remember who said this. It might have been Tanner. It might have been Grego. I don't think it was Megan. It certainly wasn't you. Um, yes. That we don't think Vrioni is a good fit for the Revs in terms of his play style. Can you elaborate on, you, on what you mean? What sort of strike would be better for the Revs, given how they're playing so far this year? Uh, Chris, I don't know your thoughts on this one. Do, do you think, I guess, do you, since it wasn't you that said this, do you think Vrioni is the right fit for the Revs? Uh, and if not, um, what would be the right fit in terms of play style? I do not think he is the right fit. So I did not say this, but uh, I do believe it 100%. Um, I have not seen anything out of Giacomo Veroni that makes me believe he's going to be the answer for the revolution going forward. And I am just waiting for the day that I'm actually wrong because everything that I say ends up being the complete opposite. So I'm just waiting for this one to happen too. Um, but it, it doesn't really seem to be. And I just... I don't understand what his game is. He scored all these goals over in Austria, I think it was. And he does not look like a player that's scoring goals. I think that I would take Christian Machado over him. Isn't that, I think that was the guy's name. Um, I think I think you're thinking of uh, Guillermo Hache. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yes, thank you. Machado is the defensive uh, mid. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I mean, Machado, maybe uh, I'll take him too. Why not? But... Uh, I saw some good things from Giacomo Verini today. I saw some hold-up play, and I thought, you know what, this is really good um, play in the midfield as far as what you want for when your defense is clearing the ball. You want someone that can hold the ball, that can help just ease, uh, ease up on the pressure for the defense. And, uh, yeah, so you're seeing some good some good moments. But overall, I mean, I just don't understand how it fits. Um, he's been making some late runs. He's been kind of dropping to the top of the box. Maybe that's going to create something down the, down the line. Um, there's been a lot of low crosses this year, specifically from Brandon Bay and specifically tonight. Um, and maybe that is something that, that starts connecting. But as of right now, I just, I just don't see it. I don't see how he fits. Um, you know, and I mentioned all the chemistry and I think there's one piece of this, um, team that, doesn't feel like it has any chemistry and that's Giacomo Vrioni. So that's, that's what it is for me. As far as what, what does the team need? I, I don't know, but um, Vrioni is, he's lucky. I think he has a luxury of having Bobby Wood here where Bobby Wood is playing well enough that it's not, we, there's no need to rush him into being the DP striker that was signed. He can find his footing. He can find his game. He can adapt he has some time to do that. You know, Adam Buxa came in 2020, didn't have that sort of luxury. He came in and he was supposed to be the person or else it was Teal Bunbury and nothing against Teal Bunbury. We all love Teal Bunbury. Um, Teal is not your, your starting striker. Um, I mean, he was for Nashville tonight and uh, I mean, they finished with zero goals. So, 
Yeah, I, I, quick Giacomo Vrioni stats tonight. I thought tonight was more – well, it was, wasn't hard to be more positive than, than last week, but I, I thought it was a more positive showing from him. You mentioned the, you know, his hold-up play a couple times. Um, that one foul that he earned – uh, you know, it was a good one when he was turning and 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 got he got you know his shirt held. Yep. Uh, came at a good time for the Revs too when they were trying to kill time. He did have four aerial duels, one which is second on the team to only Dave Romney, and pretty impressive given his limited minutes on the field. He did have a successful dribble. He did have a key pass. Um, it's actually his key pass was actually his only successful pass of the game. He was one for eight on attempted passes. Not a great sample size, but a pretty terrible number. Um, but there were some positives from this game. Uh, you know, there were a couple of positive moments from Rioni this one, um, which you couldn't really say so so much about the LAFC game. So that that's yeah. that's a good thing. Um, you know, again, he he hasn't shown really anything for the Revs so far um substantially anyways so i it, it makes it easy to say he's he's not the right fit i'm not i'm personally not ready, ready to say he's not a good fit if he can become that player that we saw him be in austria i i don't see much of a reason why he couldn't you know link up with gustavo bow and have a good partnership up top again if he becomes that guy that can you know score 19 goals in austria he's not the same player as adam buxa uh hmm. we we know that um but adam buxa also evolved his game when he came to the revs adam buxa you know became better aerial threat i think as time ran on with the revs he became a better hold up player um you know he wasn't a finished product with the revs you know despite it just you know despite maybe looking at his age and thinking you're coming over from europe i mean he's still in his early 20s but he wasn't a finished product when he came to the revs he continued to evolve um i, I think Rioni could be a good fit for the revs i'm not writing him off yet i just we haven't seen anything from him yet uh and at, at some point you got to start being concerned with that um, you know, but I don't. I don't think you necessarily just the, the style of striker he does is doesn't fit with the Revs. Um, I think he is a guy that you know he's not as tall as Buxa, but I think he is a guy that. And if you watch his highlight videos, can win a header, can put the ball into the net off of crosses. Um, and you know, even aerially, the Revs aren't necessarily the best at, at weighted cross. I mean. Brandon Bay's best crosses are usually on the ground anyways. Dewan Jones, you know, sometimes puts in a good cross in the air, but you know, that's not necessarily his his game. So um, I don't necessarily agree that Veroni's style, if you base it off of his highlights in, in Austria, isn't a good fit for the Revs. It's just, you know, I, I don't think he's a good fit for anyone the way he's playing right now. Uh, he just <laughs> needs to find his form again. Yeah. Um, and whether that ever happens at this point, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> we'll see. Yep. Uh Garrett Whitlock Supremacy says uh, Justin Roddick's sub there threw me for a loop when it wasn't just a line change at forward. It looked like a front three for a bit, and then he kind of tucked in at wing back. Uh, he thought that was a bit out there. What did you think of Justin Roddick's kind of substitution in his role in this game? Um, and maybe overall, what, what do you think of what he's, what he's done this season? Yeah, I guess um, I might go two parts on this one because I was kind of hoping someone would ask about that substitution. So I'm going to just talk about that first and say that I was really confused about it. Uh, I don't know if you felt the same way, but after Noel Buck came off, the midfield seemed lost. There's There was all of a sudden a lack of possession, uh, a lack of ability to really transition uh, from defending to attack. Um, and I don't think that's you know solely because Noel Buck is like this key piece to the midfield, but I think it's just because now there's like no midfielders. All you have, you have two defensive midfielders, and like four attackers and it's just really weird uh i didn't really really get that i think you kind of mentioned that um 
earlier when we were, I, I don't remember what the question was now, you were talking about um, some of the substitutions and I don't know, I'm, I'm losing my train of thought. I'm, I'm bouncing all around here. Um, hang with me, but um, yeah, I, I thought that substitution was super bizarre. I didn't understand why after scoring a goal, you're going to go and take out your midfielder and just absolutely lose all that cohesion. Oh, it was it was the Omar question, right? And talk about why didn't McCoon come in? And I thought that McCoon was going to be coming in around the 65th minute um, because why not solidify defensively a little bit more and also just keep bodies in the midfield? Why do you need anything else and uh, to add to the attack? I just I, I didn't get that whatsoever. That being said, the question was about Justin Renex, and I totally took it a different direction. Uh, I thought Justin Renex has been surprisingly okay i was hesitant to say good there um but surprisingly okay like i am not worried when i see him on the pitch with the exception of defending inside his own box uh i start to have palpitations seeing him defend he's a little reckless um and just kind of throwing his body around i thought that he was going to concede a penalty about two or three different times tonight thankfully that didn't happen um and you know he plays with the with the tenacity i think that the revs don't really have in anyone else and when i say like a tenacity i'm thinking more i guess um you know a good time to bring it up was this game because i'm thinking like teal bunbury has that engine just it keeps going and going and going he's just pesky and a little bit of a nuisance and and renix is really showing that he is has that in his game um i don't think he's going to be a goal scorer for this team i don't know if he'll be a creator but I think he's going to be pesky. I think that um, he can be an asset to the revolution. Uh, and I, I'm just really happy to see that he didn't kind of flake out. And I think that, you know, I mean, he could be playing. I mean, he's I'm pretty sure he is playing for a contract. Correct me if I'm wrong on that one. But um, I think he has a spot on this team and I, I think he's um, he's doing well. Yeah, I think you said everything well. I, I like the Teal Bunbury comparison. I think what Bruce was thinking is, you know, Justin Renix is going to cover more ground late in the game than Noel Buck. He's going to he's that he's that hustle player, like you said, um, that's going to get all over the field, put pressure on Nashville, be able to press them late. Um, but I also agree with you that when they made that sub, they kind of lost their shape in midfield and you know struggled to control the ball as much, which is yep. kind of understandable when you make that sub. Um, I, I don't know that I would have made that sub, but I also <laughs> I think that Bruce's thought was again have the, have a guy fresh legs out there you can rely on Justin Renex to work really hard press the ball and and you know be get all over the field and and make the most of those you know 26 whatever minutes it was that he was on the field so um my guess is that's what the thought is but I also agree with you that I, I don't know that that's the sub that I would have made in that situation um because I think making subs like that is how you end up being on the back foot to end a game instead of trying to possess and you know, yep. close out a game on your own terms. But I think we've consistently seen Bruce kind of take that approach, right? Over at least over the past couple of years, where you know if the Revs are in a close game and they're leading, um, Bruce is more likely to throw on players that are going to hustle, play, players that are going to be an extra defensive body than he is to kind of shore up that midfield and try to possess and and win the game that way on the front foot instead of you know just trying to shore up the defense and and shore up the you know fresh legs and, and kind of just hang on for, for dear life um, with, you know, the, the most number of bodies you can pack in the box. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you needed the bodies at the end of this match. Um, you did. Yeah, and there was more substitutions made. I mean, you know, thinking taking off uh, uh, Bo and Barrero. I mean, I guess uh, Boateng isn't going to provide much in the way of, of defending. Uh, 
both as far as uh, physical presence and, you know, I mean, he's not a natural defender, although he is pesky too. Um, but, you know, the Omar move, I thought, in hindsight, I'm, I'm, I was happy with that, that decision. Yeah, and uh, Tyler O'Brien on Twitter also asked about Omar. I'm not going to read that again because we've done enough Omar. But he also wanted to know how important was this performance from Bo, despite missing some chances, looked like the best player on the field, needed something from him with Gil, Gil out, or heel out, rather, and he definitely stepped up. Yeah, uh, 100%. This is a huge performance for Bo because it, knowing that I was going to come back on the pod tonight, I was uh, thinking about it, and I was prepared to come on and say, why is Gustavo Bo still here? Uh, based on what I saw briefly for the LA game, uh, full disclosure for the LA game, I fell asleep after 35 minutes and I did not want to go back and watch it after seeing the score. So I haven't watched the whole match. So I, maybe there was more to it that I haven't seen. But from what I had seen, I, I was not impressed with his performance there. I thought that he totally threw off the rhythm of the team. Uh, and there's so much like leeway around Gustavo Bo and he's able to to stay back in Argentina longer and stay with his family and I understand it he's older he's a veteran and he is a, a game-changing type player but he has such as you mentioned earlier he's such a streaky player and there's no consistency in that game-changing ability um at what point do you say I'm kind of over this Gustavo Bo experiment or it's not even an experiment at this point right but I think it's time to move on from this Gustavo Bo path. You know, he's occupying a DP slot. This is something better that you could do with that. Uh, and uh, now I find myself coming on and having a really hard time to really back up that argument. So I still put it out there. That's still kind of my thoughts. Um, but if Bo can find more of his form, especially his uh, 2019 form when he first came to the club, um, that would, I mean, I said it earlier, I think the Revs would be a very, very strong team uh, this year, and they're going to be able to go a long way if Gustavo Bo can be in form. Uh, I, I lost complete sight of what the question was. Um, I think you, I think you an answered it in a roundabout way, which was how important was the performance from Bo. And it was, yes, yes. It, it super was important. Extremely important, yeah. And again, it, to me, it goes back to the fact that he is that streaky player. Um, and once he gets going, he usually stays going for a while. Um, yeah. so this could be a start of a hot streak from him. And, and I've said many times that he usually takes a while to get going, um, whether it's coming off of off season or coming off of an injury. And so, and just the second game back for him to score a great goal and kind of work his way into form as this game went on. Like we talked about, he had three chances and it was a third chance that he finally had the right finish. He kind of worked his way into it because he had those opportunities. Um, I think that's very big for him and it's very big for the revolution because again, you know, as long as Giacomo Rioni is not, being the player or being a designated player quality number nine, uh, which to date he has not been, uh, there's more pressure on Gustavo Bo to score because as, you know, decently as Bobby Wood has played, you know, he's not going to be that 15 goal scoring striker that you can rely on to help get you to the playoffs and then do something in the playoffs. Um, you know, he's got one goal this season. Maybe he'll get more than that, but he's never, he, again, he's, there's been one time in his career where he's been a double digit goal scorer, I believe. Uh, and I, I, you know, I think even asking 10 goals out of him is probably unrealistic. So yes. it, 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 there's a lot of pressure on Bo until Rioni comes good. And um, did you see how much that goal meant to him? He was so happy. Um, it was so genuine. It was such a nice moment to see that and just see uh, like a sense of relief. Like, ah, I made up for my past two shots. I got it <laughs> in. Like, I'm so happy. I'm just, I don't know. 
it, it was nice to see that. And, you know, it's only a second game back um, after an extended offseason for him. So uh, happy to see him on the score sheet. And I think there's, you know, when you talk about going back to the other question from, from Carla Jones about, um, I forget exactly how she phrased it, but about, I guess, mindsets. Uh, I think there's yes. been times in his career where you could say, you know, maybe he things weren't going well and he kind of fell out of the game and, yep. um, you know, lost. He checks out. Yeah, it checks out a bit. And you definitely didn't see that in this game. Um, he was no. there 100% the whole game, uh, you know, missed those chances and just kept going. So that was that was great to see. Yeah, um, 100%. Uh, Robert Chevalier, we mentioned one of his questions earlier. He wants to know, uh, well, his question is just Fortress Fox, bro, with a question mark, which I assume means is is Gillette back to being a fortress for the Revs. They've won two games there now and two chances. Hey, I mean, uh, the Revs are uh, a plus four goal difference at home in 2023. I mean, uh, that doesn't sound like a fortress. I don't know what is. So uh, until until someone proves otherwise, yeah. Uh, he also wants to know, is the Renex experiment over? Um, I think neither, based on our earlier answers, neither of us would say the Renex experiment is over. He may not have liked how he was today, but he, I, I I think he's overall been you know, decent this season, right? Yeah, I think he's been fine. There's, there's no reason to move on from him at this point. There's also no reason to really expect that he's going to be any sort of game changer. Um, I think he's a complimentary piece, and I think he's a nice piece to have on your, on your side. Uh, and especially having... Uh, a, a local guy to root for. I think that's an added element that, um, you know, from our fan base perspective, I think it's always fun to root for someone that grew up in your backyard. Um, so I think it's nice to have him around um, for that, for just for that side as well. But the fact that, you know, a, there's no detriment to the revolution roster to have him there. I don't think he's taking up any spots. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he's getting time. He's playing more um, than Esmir, more than Rivera, uh, going down the list, you know, at, maybe the other players should be getting some more minutes from uh, instead of uh, Renix, but I don't know. I mean, I, I thought he's been fine. Anytime you have a South Mental roster guy that can contribute um, and, you know, somewhat regularly see minutes off the bench, I think it's a good thing. And, and he's been that guy and he's been good. He's not going to be, I don't you know, he, I think they've kind of given up on him being number nine. Um, yes. he's, he's not going to be that great goal scorer for the team, but he can provide something. Um, and I think he's, he's done well in kind of that substitute role and play off the bench. He's, you know, created some chances in some games this year. Um, so no, I don't think the Renex experiment is over again. I don't think either of us loved how he was using this game or how Bruce shifted kind of the way they were playing to bring him on. Uh, but I, I think he's got something to offer this team and he's certainly worthy of a supplemental roster spot with what he's providing. I'll say too, when I, when I see him come on to a match now, it's, it's a different mindset for me watching the game, you know, as a fan, uh, I'm not, I'm not seeing, um, Renix and thinking, Oh God, how is he going to mess up this time? Or uh, is pressure's really on. Let's see what this kid can do. It's like it's time for him really to show what what he's made of. And I see him come on now. I'm like, okay, Rednex is there. He's going to be energetic. He's going to be. I know what I know what to expect. I don't have any questions. He's going to be out there. He's going to do his thing. He's going to make some weird mistakes here and there, and that's part of his game. Um, but as long as you know, it's not con- not leading to conceding any goals. I, you know, it is what it is. 
uh, mild Bill Davidson on Twitter wants to, says he was hoping for a draw, so it wins a pleasant su- surprise. He wants to know, does Bruce have any intentions to play Josie out the door? Uh, he says he seems like he could be valuable for hold-up play. Rioni has yet to impress. The Revs need a reliable four up top. Why not play Josie? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what Josie. Why is he on the team? I, I don't get it. If Bruce, one is Bruce, if Bruce is not going to play him, why why is he on the roster? He was talking about Rennix taking up roster spots. Uh, no, I think Altidore is taking up a roster spot. Um, it, this team right now is struggling to find an attacking identity. You know, I mean, uh, other than one match, the Revs have not scored more than one goal. I mean, it's only been four matches, but there has not been a lot of creativity. There's been all scrappy scoring a chance, uh, scoring chances for the most part. Um, or it comes in transition when, you know, Gustavo Bo or someone else can get behind and get a one-on-one matchup or get just, uh, uh in alone on the keeper or something like that. It, there hasn't been anything just creative with this offense and Josie Altidore is not going to give you that. I, I don't understand how he's going to fit. Um, but Bruce isn't even trying. So why is he on? The, I, I don't know. I, I am. I've been on this podcast again for this season for 45 minutes now, and I'm already tired of talking about Josie. That's <laughs> that's kind of where I am with the Josie Altador thing. I just don't understand why he's here. I, he did great down in Mexico on loan. Maybe not great. No, not really. Great. He st- he started strong and then couldn't didn't get any minutes after that. <laughs> yeah. So, I, but he did okay. He did better than he did for the Revolution. He scored. <laughs> he did, and he he got minutes. Uh, he looked fit, which uh, that was a big question mark last year. So I I don't know. I I just don't understand. I don't know how many ways I could say it. I I don't know. I mean, I think well, the long I, the, the, the longer think? he doesn't play, the long the more the question is when are you buying him out, right? Because yeah. he is he is taken up and. The rules changed, so now you have until what August second to buy him out. So, you know, that's always going to be hanging over his head. But if you're not playing this guy, he's a max tam player. There's a lot of resources that could be going elsewhere to improve the team. Uh, and again, it comes down to Bob Kraft and Bruce Arena and whether they're willing to do that. Um, but you know, when you're four games into the season, uh, you haven't really. I mean, Wood looks Woods looked good or, or, or decent, anyways. Um, but you haven't really established your you know, your forward line. Rioni hasn't stepped up yet. Um, if we're not seeing Josie at this point, you know, when are you going to see him? Right. Um, I guess, I guess when lots of injuries happen, um, but you, you don't have a max Tam player to be, you know, your fourth choice striker when a bunch of guys get hurt. Um, doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that Bruce does have any intentions to play Josie again, barring like Rioni Wood and Gustavo Bo getting injured. Um, which is again why is he on the roster if that's the case? Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and I don't know. It's it is it is weird um, that we again that he's making that much money. He's still on the team and doesn't doesn't seem to be in the plans. But at the same time, with what we saw from him last year for the Revs, uh, he shouldn't be in the plans. So um, right. just an interesting one. I don't, uh, I don't know if we got away from the question though. Did we answer the question or? I mean, the the question was, does Bruce have any intentions to play him? And I think yeah, no, it doesn't. I, it doesn't seem like it right now. Um, so, I think he does. I mean, he's on the bench, right? He's 
he's here. I mean, you look at at who else was on the bench tonight, right? Um, with Jack Marvrioni, Justin Rennix, Damian Rivera, Josie Altador. And also we had Bobby Wood, Gustavo Bo starting, right? So, and if you want to throw Dylan Barrero in there too, I mean, he's not really a forward, forward, more winger, but uh, well, that's I, guess, a, I guess, I guess I mean, Justin else? Rennick's maybe not a forward anymore. So but I guess who, I guess who else could you put on that bench with the injuries? I mean, I don't know where Jack P is, but otherwise, yeah, I, I'm trying to, I'm struggling to think who else was healthy to be in the bench. So a little bit of it could be by default, right? That he was there. It, it could be. Yeah. But I, if not, I mean, my thought was uh, I'm seeing Josie there. So there's gotta be a situation where Bruce says, that's where I play Josie Altador. Is it when the revs are up 17 to nothing? I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know when he's going to play him, but I, I think there's a plan for him. It might just be a very nuanced situation. Yeah. Uh, we, we do have another Josie question for you now that you're sick of talking about him. Uh, I, I don't want to speculate on what happened, um, but we've seen a lot of re- people tweeting about it and we got asked about it. So I'll mention it quickly. Um, Adam McLean says, I'm not sure what was yelled at Josie after the match, but what do we think about him jumping the boards, heading towards the fans and being stopped by security? Um, I've seen several other people tweet about this as well. We don't know exactly what happens. I don't, I don't really want to speculate, but uh, again, seeing somebody frustrated after a win is is not, is not great. Um, Not sure what fans yelled at him. Um, but, uh, again, without, without knowing that and without knowing exactly what happened, I don't want to speculate too much, but it doesn't, doesn't sound great. <laughs> right. And I'm not going to say, so if, if something was said to him and we don't know what it was, don't, again, don't, not speculating anything, but, um, it's never warranted to, to discount another person, especially someone that's on a team that you're rooting for. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but I. I would like to see a little bit more professionalism instead of that sort of response. Again, this is all just uh, hearsay at the moment, so this might not have actually happened. But um, assuming it did, like you'd think a player like Josie Altador, with the amount of uh, experience that he has, you know, I mean, he's been around the world playing playing this game, and I'm sure he's heard it all. Um, so either it was something that really was a personal attack, which is uncalled for. Um, or it's just, uh, Josie's just really frustrated that he can't play and he's lack losing, you know, some professionalism and, and letting it get under his skin, which you just don't want to see. So I, I don't want to speculate one way or the other, but, uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing and I'm going to keep an eye on, on, uh, on this story. And, and kind of echoing what you said, um, we got another comment or, Echoing some of what you said, what now really says, wondering what the fan hoped to accomplish by heckling our own player after a win. He didn't do anything today. Why bring down our own player for no reason? He was headed towards the locker room. Why risk poisoning that atmosphere after a win? Don't be that guy. I think you agree with that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like any res Twitter IRL or something, right? Um, that's we eat our own. Um, that's kind of the way that uh, a lot of people act on Twitter. Um, but you like to think that in real life, that's not really happening. Um, so it's disappointing to hear to hear that that is actually going on. Um, and I definitely don't echo the the uh, motives behind that. Or you know, I I don't know who who the person or the individual was, or I don't care to know who it was. But um, that's not any sort of uh, behavior that I would 
But again, we don't know what was said, but I, I especially yeah. don't get it after a win. Uh, it's one thing yeah. after a loss when you're you know frustrated and here's a guy that's making a lot of money and isn't contributing, but they won the game. I don't I don't right. understand what. Even if it was an innocent heckle, I mean, right. it, even after a loss, I don't I don't see the point in it. So, um, off of that topic, Mike Kennedy says, yes. "Yes, it's a win, but were you convinced things have changed by this performance?" Little bit. Little bit. Um, I mean, not hundred percent, right? There were still those moments that I, I mentioned earlier, where Kessler is still trying to play long balls in the eighty-fourth minute when you need to be holding down a one-nil lead, um, and it, you were in transition going into the attack. And I think I don't remember exactly who it was, but I think it might have been Barrero, or maybe not, because he came out in the eighty-third minute. Maybe it was Blessing. I'm not really sure. And and they went to play to play the ball back, went back to buy, back to Kessler, and then Kessler just shot it up like the revs of old. Like what are they doing? Um, but they showed a bit more, um, you know, mental toughness. And uh, so it, it's a little back and forth for me. Uh, yes and no. It's it's a little half answer. I'm kind of not not committing one way or the other, but. Uh, if I, if you had to know which way I'm leaning, I'm leaning to more that this team feels different. Um, they feel more mentally tough. They feel more prepared, uh, and they they feel like a better team than uh, than they did last year. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I wouldn't say I'm completely convinced yet. It's still early, uh, but the signs are there. Um, yes. the signs are definitely there. They've there's a lot that's different about this team than last year already. Um, so I, I, you know, if I'm a Revs fan, I'm, there's a lot to be positive right now about this team, uh, where if you were taking a wait and see approach going into the season, which is be very understandable. Um, I think now you have reason to start being positive. Uh, the, again, Nashville is a very good team and yes. it was certainly wasn't a flawless performance, but the Revs got a win without their best player. So, uh, that's that's saying a lot about the character of this team, especially again, coming off of, like we said earlier, a very you know disappointing or even embarrassing lost LAFC just because of you know how big of a loss it was um even if losing to that opponent isn't you know isn't isn't embarrassing just losing four nothing to anybody is um to re- respond in this way and come out and you know get a win against a very good Nashville team I, I think shows this is this team is different um but again not completely convinced but getting there <laughs> a quick correction for you too their best player actually did play Petrovic had a fantastic game um fair point fair and, point uh... <laughs> Uh, their best field player, their on, best field he, player, didn't play. Yeah, there, we, okay. there we can take out the. I don't think there's any arguing with that. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. Uh, Hussam Kwaf wants to know: Is it me, or does Gustavo Bo and Dylan Barrero have no chemistry with Rioni? They don't. No, I mean, I don't think they. It's not that they don't have chemistry with Rioni. I think Rioni doesn't have chemistry with anybody. So it's. A, it, I think it's more the other way, and I. That's just how I read it. Right? I'm just watching on TV, so I I, I don't know their dynamics. Uh, you know, when you see them, you see videos of them in training, and it looks like they're all uh, all friends and buddies, and and they get along very well. But when it comes to time on the pitch, man, it looks like uh, you're seeing someone speak French in Mexico or something. I don't know. That's a bananas uh, comparison, but. I think you get the the message I'm trying to convey. It's just it, they they're not on the same page. They're reading two different books, whatever, however you want to say it, right? Um, so yeah, I agree, hundred uh, percent. That's it. And by the way, I think 
100% seems to be like my default thing that I say all the time. <laughs> and every time I say it, I cringe, but like I'm going to need like a tattoo that's just like the 100% like <laughs> emoji or something. And uh, Will Farley also, we talked a bit about Veroni, but he wants to know what are your thoughts on Veroni's shift? He, th- he said his third, he thought that he was making the right runs, but the ball wasn't being played to him. His first reaction that it was a mistrust thing, but the same thing happened to Bo a few times. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have much commentary, I guess, on that. Like, he, I, that's accurate, right? Do you yeah. did you have anything on that? Because I'm... No, but the, the other Nothing thing I, I've not already said. I the think. one thing I'll say is that um, some of the best balls played to Bo came from No Buck, and No Buck wasn't on the field when Rioni came on, so he did yes. miss out on that. Um, the the play, the ball again, the, the great ball over the top that allowed Bo to get behind the defense was Buck. Um, and I and we talked earlier about how the midfield lost its shape a bit when Renex came on for Buck. So I I think you know not to give excuses, but I think all of that played a role as well. But I do I do think that. Vrioni looked better. We talked a lot about him. I don't you know, need to go into the stats again, but I do think he looked better in this game, um, certainly than he did against LAFC and maybe than he did against Houston as well. Uh, so, you know, some positives to take out if you're, if you're looking for them um, from Vrioni. Yeah. Uh, Paulo S. says, Carlos Heels absent was a non-factor, and that's amazing. Thought everyone played well, but Jones especially. Um, anything to add to that? Sort of. I mean, I don't know if I'd say it was a non-factor. Uh I think there was a lot of times in the attack where there was no creativity. There was nobody really taking charge and saying, this is uh, what our offensive shape is going to be. There was a lot of mid- possession in the midfield, possession going back to the back line. Uh, and then it was just a lot of weird and awkward runs and attempts to try to find space behind uh, behind Nashville's back line, which is very difficult because they are a very sound defensive team. Um, and then it came down to just, uh, Bo and Wood really just playing off each other quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I think um, I think this team really missed uh, Carlos Hill tonight uh, and his just creativity and the ability to really maintain and control possession uh, in the final third. I agree. It's fantastic that they won without him, but it, yeah. it's a different team when he's out there. And I, I don't think they played the same way they would have played. Um, I, I, they probably would have had more shots than they had. Uh, they probably would have possessed the ball better. Um, there's a, you know, there's a lot of things he brings to the field that nobody else does. So uh, I, I, I also am with you. I wouldn't call him a non-factor, but I would say it was great that they managed to win without him. Um, yeah. And I did think that you know, just about everyone on the team played well, including including Dewan Jones, as mentioned. Uh, Matt Polster, I think we should mention. I thought you know he's been under some criticism this season, or especially after the LAFC game. I thought he had a fantastic performance. Um, you know, kind of a bounce back game from him. Uh, it, it, it's hard to pick out guys that um, that deserve much criticism from this one. Yeah, the only thing I think is I would have liked to see Blessing be a bit more involved. Uh, and, and you know, and you look at his stats and he had a good game but it almost feels like i was watching a different game than the story that the stats tell right so i mean 56 touches i don't remember him being involved that much uh i do think that he kind of lost possession on his own several times overall i thought he was still uh a a very good piece um and a positive on the team but i i thought that i kind of forgot he was there several different times. And and that's not really the player that Latif Blessing is. He's a player that makes makes it known that he is on the field. Uh, when I was talking about um, uh, Justin Rennick's being a nuisance, 
Um, I think that's Latif Blessing's game, 100%. There we go, saying that 100% again. But it, Latif Blessing is a nuisance, and he's always going to be getting involved and getting um, getting in everyone's business, right? Um, and I, I just I don't think I saw quite as much of that tonight um, as I was expecting to see. You know, that, that's a fair point because, uh, you know, I talked about the LAFC game last week. I thought he was, uh, I mentioned in the last podcast, I thought he really showed in that game. He was one of the guys that stood out to me, even in the poor performance. He had that giveaway that I think led to the, the third goal, I believe, in that game. But other than that, he was a guy that was just everywhere across the field. You couldn't miss him um, in the plays he was making. And that wasn't as much the case in this game. Um, they didn't necessarily need him to be as much, but... Uh, right. you, you you make it make a good point, and it has seventy four point four percent passing accuracy. Not not anything too good. Uh, he was eighty six percent against LAFC in a much tougher game. Um, so you know that's that's not amazing. I, I don't I don't want to be too negative about him because they won the game and he did he did his job. But just I don't by compare, bad game. I just no. It was by by comparison to how involved he was. I think a week ago in that loss and how he made his presence known. Um, wasn't as influential, I think it's fair to say, in this game as as we know he's capable of being. Um, but it was surprisingly hundred percent on aerial duels, though three for three. <laughs> but I think nitpicking to get too negative about anyone in this one. Yeah, um, that's, that's what this is: is nitpicking right there. <laughs> Uh, John Stafford says it was really great to see Bo leading the charge and getting a premium strike. Defense was solid. Petrovic again works too hard. Uh, why the difference though since last week's disaster? Also, why was Barrero much less of a force than previous matches? Yeah, the, I like the Barrero question. Uh, I'll circle back to that one in a second. But I think the difference between the LA game and this one is that the first 35 minutes, you know, before I fall asleep. Uh, that was a pretty good game against LA uh, with the Revs. I thought the Revs controlled possession better than I expected. They were uh, creating some chances, having some creativity. Their only shot of the game came while I was still watching. Um, and then as soon as they conceded, it was different. And that was the only time that we've ever seen the Revolution so far in 2023 trailing. The only time we've seen them concede was in that game. Um, so it became a different game and it's a different different attack style at that moment so if the revs are not scoring first i want to know what that looks like against another team because right now we've only seen it against you know you know what i would say is the best team in the league um but against other other opposition uh how is the team going to look what's the response going to be how are the revolution are going to line up um i think the revolution were after going down you know looking to to get something in the back of the net, you know, they, they didn't want to drop all three points. Obviously I think they were going in probably with the hopes to walk away with one point. And so as soon as you start chasing, you know, you're just opening up the back line. So it's a little bit of a different story, but I thought the refs played pretty good in the first 30, 35 minutes. Yeah, they did until that penalty kick. That that's what it was. Unnes- Thank you. I couldn't un- remember the first goal. That nestle- un- the penalty kick Bo gave away. That was really <sighs> un- unnecessary. Um, that I think that changed that game. Yes. Uh, at the same time, why was this game different? I think part of, part of it was switching Bo and Barrero into their more natural positions. Yeah, um, yeah that might do it too. And and you know we talk about why was Barrero much less of a force than previous matches. I thought he had a really bad game against LAFC. Um, he was more of a force in the first two games of the season. But um, if you're comparing to last week, Barrero was not good against LAFC. Um, 
you know, why was he less forced in this one? I think, you know, anytime Carly's heel is out, you know, there's a lot more uh, attention to be had for the other players that are creative out there. Um, you know, it's it's a lot easier to mark Barrero when you're not having to put two guys on Carly's heel. Um, so I, that's part of the reason I think why he was less of a force. He was going up against, a, you know, a U.S. national team right back and Shaq Moore. Um, although with that said, I and wasn't center partic- back. Yeah, I wasn't particularly impressed by Shaq Moore, to be honest. But, Same. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, my my theory when somebody that's a creative player like Dylan Burrow is more marked out of a game or is struggling a bit more and Carlos heels out, it's that he gets more space when Carlos heels there drawing attention. Yep. And then, you know, I think um, I because I, I forgot to circle back to the Barrero piece. So thank you for for bringing it back full circle. But uh, I, I don't know if you saw the same thing, but it looked to me like Barrero was kind of being marked by two defenders uh, or two Nashville players pretty much the entire game. Uh, anytime that he came down the wing, there was always two defenders kind of marking him together, um, working to just double team and take him take him out of the game. And that comes back to what you mentioned with Carlos Hill in the, in the game. The other team, the opposing team, is not going to have the luxury to put two people on Barrero, and he is going to really be able to exploit them. All right, Chris, we're going to wrap things up soon, but I have uh, some good good curses or good things to talk to. Th- things that are going to make you happy is we have some other curses that are not you to talk about. Let's do uh, it. So I'm sure, I'm sure you're glad to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cursed Revs points out that the Revs are 3-0, and this season when Greg Johnstone is not on Revolution Recap after a match. Uh, is, Greg, is Greg a curse now? What do you think? Oh, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I am I am going to lean into this so hard, yeah. Uh, Cursed Revs has yet to, to lead me the wrong way, so um, it sounds like it. Uh, and on, on the uh, positive good luck charm here, you know, last week Lexi asked us if she was – the Revs good luck charm because the Revs, she had gone to both games, yep. traveled to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Uh, Revs won that game, won the home game against Houston. Uh, Tanner said that if she does not go to the LAFC game, the Revs are going to lose 4 uh, nothing, which actually is what happened. She didn't yep. go to the LAFC game and they <laughs> lost 4 nothing. I forgot he said that. <laughs> yeah, so he, he called it. Uh, apparently she was back today at the Revs game and they won again. Um, I think it's official, right? If it wasn't official then, clearly she's the Revs good luck charm. And Brian Bellello should be getting her a ticket to, to D.C. next week, right? That's exactly what I was going to say. I said, let's get Revs Pros on the phone. Um, yeah, let's get uh, – Lexi, is that the name? Um, yep. Let's get Lexi down down to D.C. And, uh, uh, yeah, yes. Uh, that's impressive. That's amazing. Yeah, a little bit less of an excuse not to get to D.C. You can take a train down there, so – yeah, Amtrak. L.A. is a lot harder. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like you got to take one for the team and get down there. Yeah, 100%. Like, uh, I'm pulling out the 100%ers again, but that's it. Yeah. All right. La- last one. Uh, also, Lexi, she was said, we'll give a positive shout to Omar. She said she was surprised by Omar this season. He's done pretty well both games he was on for. Um, I think we'd both agree with that. It goes back to everything we said earlier. Uh, hasn't hasn't had a foot wrong really this season, but uh, too soon for either of us to be overly confident. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a, a fun juxtaposition to be – closing out an episode uh, on a positive Omar note, but um, let's do that. Yeah. I think it was a great game from him for his uh, seven minutes or whatever that he got uh, when zero touches. Um, I thought he's been fine. I mean, it's just hope he keeps it up, you know? 
All right, Chris, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Is there any topic we missed that we should have talked about? I, I think I think we covered just about everything. No, I'm going to ignore my 24% uh, NCAA bracket um, and uh, just say, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a blast, and uh, I look forward to jumping on a couple more this season. So, Yeah, there was some uh, craziness going on in March Madness today yeah, and every day so far, but even during the Revs game. So <laughs> my, I, I will say, though, my, my bracket is uh, 78th percentile, so I'm doing – I thought I was doing pretty bad, but I guess I'm doing a little bit better than you and making me, making me feel a little bit better about myself. Yeah. Sounds like a <laughs> humble brag a little bit there. You know? Oh no, I, actually, actually, as we say this up to 82%, 82nd percentile. So uh, could, I mean, I had Arizona and uh, they went out day one and uh, yeah, you know, I also had Kansas go into the final four and they're out now too. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's been a good March madness for anyone's bracket. If we're being honest. No, this has been, this has been brutal. We'll have to do uh, MLS playoff brackets at the end of the season, and maybe we'll do a little better with that. That sounds fun. <laughs> I think I have a bit more knowledge there than I do NCAA. <laughs> Anyways, where can people follow you on Twitter or elsewhere? Yeah, awesome. Uh, over on Twitter, you can find me at Chris Valukas, K-R-I-S-V-A-L-U-K-I-S. Um, they're talking revs and bunch of bunch of other nonsensical stuff. So uh, come follow me over there. Um, and you can follow me at Sean L. Donahue. Of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Not hard to find. Revolution Recap on all those. Please rate and review us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. I also, just want to thank everybody um, who has rated and reviewed us. I, I, we saw a couple more ratings come in on iTunes. It seems like a lot more ratings have come in on Spotify. So we, we really we see those, and we really appreciate it. Uh, keep it up uh, if you haven't already. And also, as always, be sure to check out our good friends at The Blazing Musket. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week uh, after the DC United game. Uh, More details on when that will come out. But thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week.